Today is just one of those picture-perfect Florida days. It's in the 60s. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's just super enjoyable to be outside. Whether you're walking um, in the park or, or down the street, it's just nice to be outside. And speaking of enjoyable, our next guest is is just enjoyable to talk to as well. Marilyn from Next Frontier Parenting. Um, I just really enjoyed this conversation and kind of everything that she's about. She's extremely passionate about helping um, teens around the mental health um, arena. And, and more more importantly, or more particularly, she helps adults with those conversations, um, whether you have a, a teenager yourself or you're just kind of in the role of overseeing teenagers or just younger younger children um, around those conversations um, with, um, with mental health and, and kind of some of the struggles and stuff that they go through, especially um, during the last couple of years with the pandemic and stuff. There's just been a lot of struggles for, for everybody, not just uh, not just teenagers or young children. So, so I'm excited for you guys to meet Marilyn. So let's jump right into it and not wait any longer. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Palm Harbor Local. I'm your host, Florida native and real estate ninja, Donnie Hathaway. You know, I started this podcast because I'm extremely passionate about connecting you with the people and the local businesses that make Palm Harbor so special. Palm Harbor, Florida is a great place to live, work, and play. It has everything you could dream of, from the food, the outdoors, the lifestyle, to the people in the community. I wanted to create a podcast that connected the community and inspired everyone to live better. To join this community and stay up to date on all things Palm Harbor, visit my website, it's palmharborlocal.com, and sign up there to join the locals. And remember, together, we keep Palm Harbor local. So welcome, Marilyn. Appreciate you jumping on the podcast with us today. I am I'm excited to have this conversation with you, and I know it's been since we uh, it's been a little bit since we first chatted uh, about doing the podcast together. So you know, thank you for for taking the time out today to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I am so excited to be here, and thank you for having me. Awesome. So so your business, Next Frontier Parenting. Why don't we just talk a little bit about that and kind of what you do? Um, with that. Absolutely. So yes, so I have a business called Next Frontier Parenting. And really what I do is mental health education, uh, really focusing on educating adults who work with teens, that teen kind of time span of life where so much is going on. And we know teens are going through a lot of changes anyway. And then you add in mental health and you add in the world right now and all of that. And so my entire business is really around getting parents and adults who work with teens used to talking about mental health, more comfortable talking about mental health and giving them resources and tools to be able to do that. And so you, this, you've had this business for like a year, a little over a year now. That's correct. Yeah. I've had it a little over a year now. I left the corporate world, so to speak, uh, where I, I actually, it was the nonprofit world. So I don't know if you consider that the corporate world, but yeah. I, I, I worked for 16 years for a local nonprofit where I also got to work with teens hands-on a lot and really just got to witness a lot of the struggles that they were having. And I mean, these are high achieving honor roll 
getting into their dream college kids who are still struggling with a lot of things and the adults in their lives, including me at the time, didn't know how to help them. And so that really just became a passion of mine to say, this is a need that's out there. There's adults who care about young people and don't know how to help them. And if I can be any part of connecting adults who care to kids who need help, then that's what I want to do. So yeah, I bet it's been about a year. So still, still new, but really exciting and loving it. Yeah. So what was like the transition like of, of, you know, kind of like that, that moment where you decided to, to do this, to like step out of, you know, the job, the security of your job and start this new business, which is, um, it's not like it's a common thing, a common business, right? So it's, it's probably, you probably face a lot of challenges, like getting, kind of getting that word out and getting your message across. Correct. Yeah, I do. You know, it's, it's one of the, the, it's the type of thing that people don't necessarily know they need until possibly they're in a crisis situation and there's nothing wrong. And people absolutely need to get help when they're in a crisis situation, but there's so much that we can do before we're in a crisis situation, but, but you're absolutely right. People just kind of don't think they need it till they need it kind of thing. So, so that's definitely probably my biggest hurdle is just getting the word out there that, you know, just like, you don't wait to to start eating healthy till you've gained 200 pounds, like start <laughs> eating healthy when, when you, you can manage that a little easier. So it's the yes. same kind of philosophy. Yeah. So what was the transition like for you then to, to find, like, to say like, okay, I'm, I'm really going to do this um, and start, start your own business. So basically the, the truth of the matter is that, that the, the final straw, so to speak, or what finally led me to say like, nope, this is, this is something I have to do yeah. is that, that ultimately I knew I wasn't going to be able to keep working with teens or supporting teens in my role that I, that I had with my previous job. Um, it went from something that they considered to be an asset and something they were grateful that I did to feeling like it was a distraction. And, and that was really with, with a leadership change as well. So, so, you know, these things happen. Um, but that was a very, a line in the sand, so to speak of, if this is what I actually care about and this is what I love doing, I'm going to have to leave. And so at that point, staying just really wasn't an option anymore, Mm -hmm. uh, and having the opportunity to do this and just try it. You know, I, I will say I'm, I'm very lucky that, that I'm in a position that I'm able to do this and give it a shot and go out there and do something I really, really care about. Um, and so it's, I think it's been interesting. I went from, you know, working for someone to having to learn all the ins and outs and technicalities of starting and running my own business. But but those are just puzzles to solve. You know, you have different puzzles mm-hmm. to solve depending on what you choose to do in life. So there's people out there to guide you and help you with all that. It's it's really about what do you want to get up and do every day? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, I, I think you're spot on there, right? Like if, if you're passionate about, you know, your work and stuff, the other, the other, you know, paperwork side of it, the person, yeah. you know, is boring, but it's, it's worth it at the end of the day, right? Like you, you yeah. or you get the right it's, people around you to kind of help you. Exactly. There's help for all of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So did you ever have a, did you ever want to be a, a business owner? 
or is this, you were just kind of forced into this because of, you know, circumstances and whatnot? I can't say that I ever had a desire to be a business owner. I am what would be considered multi-passionate, which is I always want to be trying new things and starting new things and having a, Mm -hmm. like, I, I would never... What's up, Palm Harbor? It's your host, Donnie Hathaway. If you are looking to stay up to date with all things Palm Harbor, then visit my website. It's palmharborlocal.com. Super simple. You can sign up there, join the locals, where I'll be sharing more information on local events, local history, and what's happening in Palm Harbor. You know, I really want to create and add more value to you as a listener for spending your valuable time tuning into my podcast. So join me there, keep listening, and remember, together, we keep Palm Harbor local do well in an, in a career where, you know, five years later, I'm still kind of doing the same thing. It just, it would not be what wakes me up. And, and really throughout my career, I had the opportunity to be very entrepreneurial in a strange way, because when you work for a nonprofit, you're always trying new things, you're making things work, you're figuring stuff out. So in many ways, it, it felt like a very entrepreneurial experience. And so, but no, I never was like, I want to own my own business. I want to do that. No, <laughs> but then when, yeah. when the time came, I wasn't really afraid of it because I, I kind of felt like I had done stuff like that before. I just happened to be working for someone else, but I had right. done essentially the elements of it. So, yeah. So what are, what are some challenges that you've had to overcome that maybe you, you know, kind of expected or that you didn't expect, you know, as far as like the business side of it, like opening up your own business? Oh gosh. I mean, you know, I've had very sort of like boring things where the original name I chose for my business ended up being a trademark violation. (laughs) And so luckily I was only three or four months in. And so it was very easy to kind of redirect that whole process that I had, you know, gone, gone through all the steps I thought I needed to, to clear the name. And then, you know, I get a letter from the lawyers. So, which of course that's like very scary. Um, It's like, what am I doing? Um, So, so, you know, I've had some of that, but, but again, you know, I feel like with all of that kind of stuff, Uh, there's people to help you through that and to figure it out. And I only know what I know. And so kind of, like I said, I thought I had taken all the right steps to, to ensure that the name I picked was, was going to be fine. And I had it. Mm -hmm. And so I learned that and I'm able to to do better the next time. Um, But really, I think, you know, the main challenge as far as the business itself is really getting in front of people actually has been hard because partly even greater, like a greater struggle because of the pandemic, because I originally thought that I would be able to get in front of groups of parents and have the opportunity to do, you know, workshops and things like that. And the pandemic has made many of those gathering points non-existent. So, Mm -hmm. so, so that's actually been a real struggle is just how figuring out how to connect with people that might not know they need or want, want this, the information that I have yet and getting in front of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's gotta be like the biggest challenge, like in any business, right? Like people don't necessarily know what they need until they, until they need it, like you said before. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing you mentioned, um, and I kind of just want to talk about this cause like your, your mindset about failure, um, and, 
you know, you just look at them as lessons, right? Not necessarily like a failure. And it's just like a lesson to learn from. Um, you know, I've done, you know, some of the other business owners that I've spoken to on the podcast kind of have that that same mindset. And then some of them, you know, think about failure as, you know, I failed at this, but I but I learned from it sort of thing. Um, so where does where does your mindset or where does your approach um come from when it comes to failure and just looking at it as lessons learned? I don't know where I got the belief, the honest, like really deep belief that I can do anything. (laughs) I I, I give credit to my parents. You know, they, they told me I can do anything when I want to grow up. I was very, I was a very curious child that would, you know, want to learn how to sew and then want to learn how to do orienteering. And that, and so I would just learn. And so I, I think that that's where a lot of it came from, that that there really is no failure. Like it all is just learning. Yeah, and yeah. so and so that's just something that I, I don't know. Like it's kind of like I can't think of what what would an actual failure look like. Okay, I decide that this business isn't working and I don't do it anymore. I don't even consider that a failure. It would just be like, okay, well, what did I learn and what do, what do I want to do next kind of thing? So even when you kind of go to worst case scenarios, I don't even see those as failures. They're just mm-hmm. part of a, a life and a process and learning and figuring out, you know, what you're here to do and who you're here to help and things like that. So I don't know if that technically answers your question, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah I, I, think, I, okay. I was going to say, I think it's, it's, it sounds like it's more, you know, of you growing up and like wanting to try, you know, try a bunch of different things, right. And the entrepreneurial spirit that you had, like at your job, like trying different stuff and, and you just learn like what you like, don't like, um, instead of focusing on, Oh, I failed at this, you know, and you know, your, your mindset is more of, you know, I just want to try a bunch of stuff and see what I like and don't like what works. Yeah. And I mean, I've definitely said, Oh, I won't try that again. You know, if I have a project at work and it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, here's the goals. And let's say we don't reach those goals. I still don't even say like, oh, we failed. I said, okay, next time we do that, we don't want to do X, Y, and Z because it didn't work last time. So, so yeah. let's like rethink that and figure out how we are going to do it. Yeah. So, um, so let's take that into like the teens and stuff that you, you know, kind of come across. Do you, um, do you find that they have, that they struggle with failure or is that like some, some of the things that they kind of struggle with, like, you know, in school, like, you know, getting a bad grade and thinking it as, as failure versus thinking of it as like a learning moment. I think they can. I mean, I think all kids are different. I think that, that very, there's widespread struggle with expectations, you know, of, of expectations Mm. that a teacher has or a school has or parents have or coach or anything else. So, so, you know, and then they, compound all those expectations together. And I I think that it's fairly common to feel the weight of those expectations. And so then when they, it's more like the failure of meeting someone's expectations, you know, I I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of times they care less about actually failing the test than knowing how upset their parents going to be because they failed the test kind of thing. So, so I think that's something that, that they definitely struggle with. And I think that uh, times are hard right now in general for them, just because there is so much weight of the world and the pandemic and just their, their worlds being turned upside down, but yet expectations 
remaining the same, that I think that that that's a lot for them to manage. Yeah. So what is, so let's talk about that a little bit more. Like what are, what are some of the challenges that the teens have had to like overcome? I mean, obviously the pandemic has been hard on, on everybody. Like, so adults, like even adults that have the tools and everything necessary to kind of get through all of that, um, you know, as a teenager, like if your parents, you know, never taught you those tools or you just never learned them, like, what is that like for them? What are they kind of going through? Yeah. Well, I mean, you have the ultimate challenge, which is stigma, you know? So, so when young people are worried that, that they're having trouble managing something or that something is stressing them out and they feel that they can't go to a trusted adult because of the stigma that surrounds like whatever that they want to share that with, that can really be that first barrier to them getting help. And so such an important part of, of everything I do is just removing that stigma like we if if a young person feels comfortable saying hey i'm really struggling with x y and z then just like you said they can get those those tools faster you know instead like mm-hmm. what if they don't have the tools yet what if they don't have the resources yet well if they feel like they can talk to people they can get that help faster and so that's really you know the main thing that that will slow down them getting the support that they need but then i think you know there is the the truth of the matter that that we've all experienced a pretty traumatic and stressful couple of years. Yeah. And so even the people that are trying to help them, I like take teachers. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine being in a classroom these days. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you've got the students that are struggling, you know, to keep up with their grades and stuff, which maybe they're managing that, but just the disappointment of maybe what they thought their senior year was going to look like. And now it doesn't look like that compounded with teachers that are having to work and teach in just very non-constructive ways, you know, through no control of their own with students being out all the time because they get diagnosed with COVID and all of uh, just all of this chaos. And everyone is just has to pretend that like, we just keep moving forward, like pretending we're just going to get through it. And um, right. I think it's really challenging for everybody. Yeah, it's almost like you know the, the your normal daily habits and routines and and life, whether it's business or school, like that just has to continue, you know. And you also have to deal with like the pandemic and like every all the changes that come with that. But it's like it's not even there, right? Let's just continue yep. to move forward. Yeah, everything's um, fine. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting um, when you kind of look at it um, that that way. Yeah. Um, so, so going back to like the the, the business um, side of, of kind of what you do. So you help you teach to adults and kind of teach them the tools. Yeah, I teach a nationally. Um, I teach a national certification called Youth Mental Health First Aid, and it is essentially. First aid, like think about how you take first aid or CPR or anything like that. It is the mental health equivalent of that. It's it's teaching adults how to recognize signs and symptoms that like maybe a young person is going through something, but then also what to do about it, which I think is a big missing piece of any kind of mental health storytelling or reporting. You know, you might hear on the news oh, you know, suicides are up by this much. And it's kind of like, well, that's terrifying, but there's no action 
plan to that. Right, it's just like, right. hey, we're here to tell you some bad news. And so this this course, it is a true certification. It's it's going through and learning what to look for and then what to do about it if you're seeing signs that that you think um, are concerning. Yeah. Are you seeing, is this like more, more common, like more focus being put on like the mental health for teens and not necessarily just for adults and stuff, but, um, are there more courses like what you're doing, more businesses, like what you're doing, um, that are being, you know, created over the last few years, or is this just, um, has this been in existence and it just hasn't been, you know, brought to many people's attention? This course has actually been around quite a while. So, yeah. so this course is not new. This is, I think, been around. Um, it started. It was created actually in Australia and uh, twenty years ago. And so wow. this, it's been updated, obviously. But yeah. this course has been around a while. But what I can tell you for sure is there's definitely more conversation around mental health, which is, you know, part of what I want to see even more of the young people that are in the schools and, and in our homes and things like that, they are less worried about talking about their mental health or what's going on. And sometimes even, um, casual about it, you know, where a lot of adults kind of are not ready for that yet. And it's like, okay, but there, there is, there's truly like, this doesn't have to be a scary thing to talk about. This doesn't have to be a doom and gloom thing. And so there's definitely more conversation. I think that we'll only see more and more and more because as these young people get older, you know, they will very much normalize these conversations and tools and resources. And I can't even imagine what the mental health world will look like in 20 years, very optimistically. Like, I think it will be wonderful. Um, But yeah, as far as actual courses, oh, yes, I'm sure there's more out there. I'm not... I don't have any knowledge of like how many more or anything like that, but people are definitely talking about it more. And, and once they start talking about it, they're realizing that there are resources out there that they can learn and take advantage of and become more comfortable with the whole conversation. Yeah. So you said something that was interesting, you know, how like the adults aren't ready for the, for that conversation on mental health. Um, but the, you know, the younger generation is, or the younger kids are, where does that, like, where, where does that come from? Is that something that the adults, like, you know, just kind of the way they were raised, um, during that time frame, it was just like, wasn't talked about, or it was like, yeah. you know, like, this is something you don't talk about. And like, where do the kids get the, you know, um, I guess the knowledge or I don't know yeah. what the word is I'm looking for. It's <laughs> like, okay, let's, you know, I want to talk about this and I'm going to. Sure. So I do think that a lot of it is generational differences. You know, we probably were all raised being told to get over it, to stop crying, to, you know, to kind of set things aside and figure it out kind of thing. And, and, you know, that's not to devalue resiliency and like moving through hard times. Like we have to do that. Young people have to do that. But when we have young people that, come to us and say, Hey, like I'm, I'm really struggling. I haven't been able to sleep at night. I'm, I think I'm going to fail my classes that I've got, you know, essentially what they're getting to is all this anxiety and a parent says, or a trusted adult of any kind says, you just got to figure it out. Like you just got to push through it. We're, we're sending that message to that young person that we're not willing to talk about it, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, right. 
And then there's the added part that we also, a lot of times as adults, don't talk about it as much. So when they feel like that they're having problems or that they're struggling to manage things, we've actually sent them the message that if they can't manage it, there must be something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Because look, yeah. look at me, I can manage it all. I can, I can juggle all the balls and do all the things and where really we can't, we're just like pretending and pretending, hiding yeah, it. Yeah, we're just hiding. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but when we hide it that way, when when they start to see that in themselves, they think that there's something wrong with them because they don't yeah. realize that we struggle with a lot of the same things. Uh, to answer your question about like where do they sort of have a greater comfort level of talking yeah. about these things, I actually... Well, hey, let's be real. I don't know the answer. I haven't like done research yeah. on it, yeah. but, but I think that they get a ton of it from social media, which social media gets a, a fairly bad rap. It has pros and cons. We could do a whole episode on that, but not yeah. my specialty. Yeah. But but what they get there is they get to see, just like I just said, if I'm someone who hides the challenges I'm going through all the time, when my kids are having challenges, they think there's something wrong with them. When they see someone else going through challenges, it creates a world where they're not alone and mm. not in a, you're not alone, honey, kind of world, you know, where they get to see like, oh, that person goes through that too. You know, you see yeah. younger movie stars and musicians and things like artists who will openly just on their social media accounts talk about, oh, I, at my therapy appointment last week, we talked about X, Y, and Z. Like they're just casually like, oh yeah, we were talking about a dream I had with my therapist. Mm-hmm. And, but then that's every young person that follows them saying like, oh my gosh, they see a therapist and yeah. it, it just normalizes it. And so I, I think that that's a lot of it. And, you know, then they have that ability to communicate with each other and see it and that, but that's where adults get left in the, left in the dust a little bit. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. They're seeing this all normalized, and then adults are like, "You don't need a therapist. You're fine." It's like, (laughs) (laughs) just deal with it. What are we afraid of? Yeah. 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 So yeah, so that's interesting. So it's like they're just exposed. They're you know the social media has exposed more that you know it's kind of widened your group of people that you can kind of learn from. You know. Yes. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Makes the world bigger, which yeah also makes the world harder because there are you know, that's kind of like a good side of it or what I would consider a good side of it. They also see a lot of really scary things on social media that they would have never had to see had social media not existed. Like when I was a kid, things that I never had to see, didn't even know existed, they can pick up their phone and look at. And so it creates a much scarier world, which I, I do also think contributes to some of the struggle, the challenges that they have. Um, because now that they know this, they have to learn how to manage it. And if they haven't been given the tools or they're still young developing brains and all of that, while they're having to manage really big, scary things that I didn't have to know about when I was 14 years old. So, so that's, that's the hard side of it, but it's really just logical that they need extra support. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, so do you think that there should be, um, like a class, whether it's in school or 
just the the kids should be taught like some of these tools on how to manage, you know, the stresses of the world and anxiety. If you have anxiety, you know, different mental um, struggles, like, should there be a class like that? And is there, maybe there is, and I don't just know about it. I think that would be amazing. I think that schools are overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. So to even, to even sort of pretend that like, yes, the answer is have a mental health class in, in all of our schools. Yes. Yeah. Should that happen? Absolutely. But, but the education system has probably a lot of things that ideally they yeah. would want to be able to do. You definitely see a lot of teachers gaining resources in mental health. There are things you can do in your classroom to create uh, opportunities for, for kids to get support that they need, even just like mental health check-ins where they can just kind of indicate how they're doing. And there really are a lot of things teachers can do. Uh, but I've always been a proponent of not expecting the schools to raise my kids. Yeah, right. And so, so that's where I truly do put a lot back on us as parents. There's a lot we can do. <laughs> and so, so yes, if, I, I've actually taught classes for a school that they had their entire staff team trained. And I taught two classes for their PTA. So that is it. And it was a private school. You know, that is yeah. an ideal world where they are just really, really ahead of the game on mental health conversations and awareness and education and all of that. I don't see that being anything that happens anytime soon for most of our kids in the public school systems and things like that. So, so I put a lot of it back on us and, and, you know, it doesn't have to be a class. It can be a dinner conversation. It can be a text check-in each day that, you know, there are things that as parents we could do to make sure that we're checking in on our kids and just opening that door. Cause one thing, earlier we talked about, you know, when I say things like, you just got to figure it out, you get over it. Like, why, are, why are you complaining? You know, things like that, that, that we're all guilty. Of. Like every parent out there has said it, including yeah. me. I'm not like, but those are messages that we're not there to talk. There are messages that we can send that we are there to talk. And there are ways that we can make sure that that's open so that when they're ready to walk through it, were there instead yeah. of find, they're left to find a different door because we've told them we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of those messages that, that we could, you know, um, say to our kids and stuff to kind of open that door and just let them know that we're open for that, that conversation. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, the, things would be very specific to the situation, but yeah. tell me, tell me more is always one that, that, yeah. you know, if a, a young person is kind of expressing some, concerns of any type, you know, tell me more, how can I help? Um, you know, depending on exactly what's going on, like, you know, how, would you like to see a therapist, you mm -hmm. know, would, or, or a counselor or, you know, it, whoever would be appropriate at that point. Sure. Um, you know, but those are all things that, that essentially tell them that we're listening. And even if it's that we don't know the answers, because I think that's the scary thing for a lot of parents, it's like, well, what if they tell me that they're depressed or something? I don't know if they're depressed. Like, I don't know. I, well, that's fine. But yeah. now you can get them some support. You can get them some help. You can help them find out what's going on too. So, so, so yes, I mean, tell me more. Uh, you're not at, like, I'm here for you. We'll figure this out together. Cause I, I don't mm -hmm. think pretend 
oh, I know what to do, honey. Don't worry. Like, I don't think that's genuine and I don't think they'd really believe you. But, um, but you know, if they're expressing concerns, just saying like, look, I don't really know exactly what to do, but we're going to figure this out together and, and, you know, letting them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those are just a couple of, you know, switch your vocabulary kind of phrases that, that would be easy for parents to do. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah, I feel like we could, we could keep talking about so much more, but, um, one thing I want to, I want to touch on too, we were just talking about the weather and how it's, it's sunny out today and stuff. So what do you, what do you like to do for fun when you're not, you know, teaching, um, adults and stuff on, on how to be better parents and, and that sort of stuff? Yeah. Okay. So I have a dog that I love, like I truly love him, a uh, great Dane. And so, oh, cool. so definitely like to, you know, go on hikes. I, I don't know if you can call them hikes in Florida, but walks with him <laughs> and stuff like that. I do have two kids there in college. So I'm, I'm like an empty nester now. So I've had to explore this world of hobbies and things to do uh, now that yeah. I'm not at soccer games and all of that stuff all the time. Um, but I, I do actually volunteer. I volunteer at a local farm because I, I like to be outside again. One reason I live in Florida where I don't yeah. have to be locked up for the winter, but so I volunteer at a farm every week. I do still actually volunteer with the organization I used to work for. So I'm a, cool. a essentially a youth group leader is, is the easiest way to think about it. So I work with a group of teens um, all school year and stuff like that. So I still get to do that, which I do really love. And we travel, we're a traveling family. We just this last year hit our 50th state, which was kind of our family goal for, for, um, many years. So, so we love to travel and, um, yeah, that's my thing. Very cool. Um, all right. So, so last question before we, before we wrap it up and what is, um, what is like one of your favorite places like in, in or around the Palm Harbor area? Um, whether it's like a park or favorite coffee shop, restaurant, something like that, like your go-to spot. Mm, Okay. So gosh, I would say I'm trying to think if it's technically like how far it technically is from Palm Harbor. Cause it's actually my favorite place to walk my dog and okay. it's going to be a little North of Palm Harbor, but it's called okay. Lake Rogers park and okay. it is a County park. I think I'd have to look at that. Actually. I'm not sure. Um, but it's just a two mile loop around the lake and it's kind of a park no one's ever heard of. And I could go out there and walk my dog and we won't see another person the whole two miles and he can, you know, really enjoy it and all of that stuff. And so that is probably my favorite like place to go if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good spot. I like, you know, we have some really great parks and stuff around here. So like some Mm -hmm. of my favorite places are, same thing. It's like when you could just be in a park and, you know, just like in, in that environment, right. And not seeing a bunch yes. of people. Yes. It's like my yeah. getaway. It's my quiet time. You know, yeah, I get to exactly. be moving, but I get to be quiet and just, you know, listen to podcasts or music yeah. or, or whatever. So it's great. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Well, how can people um, learn more about your business and kind of learn more about what you do or just follow your, 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 your journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I, it's next frontier parenting. And that, that really is based off, you know, once your, your kids become teenagers, you kind of hit this like new 
frontier crazy world <laughs> of parenting. So that's kind of where the name comes from. But uh, nextfrontierparenting.com or nextfrontierparenting on Instagram, which Instagram would have all the links and stuff too. So, okay. so that is the easiest place to find me and even just follow and connect with me, see what I'm up to and, uh, you know, reach out if, if you ever think I can help you. Yeah, perfect. And we'll have all the links for that in the description below so people can can check you out there. Um, awesome. Marilyn, thank you so much. It was, it was a pleasure. Yes, thank you. It's been awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Palm Harbor Local. I really hope you got a ton of value out of today's episode. Now, if you're looking to connect with the guest or just get more information on the episode, then you can check the description below. I'll have all the links in the episode as well as a link back to my website. It's palmharborlocal.com where you can stay up to date on what's going on with the podcast and sign up there to join the locals. Let's get after it this week. And remember, together, we keep Palm Harbor Local. (music) 